everybody feels like taking an afternoon nap with all these afternoon showers and grayness. Thank you, Father. Just say it right now. Say, Lord, we receive everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. If you're our guest today, if you've never done this, if I've never had the uh, honor of taking you out to lunch, I'd like to take you out to lunch today and uh, me buy your lunch. So if you're our guest, I'd love to talk with you and um, let, you an- let you ask any questions. We welcome you today. Uh, we'll, we'll pretty easily say we're not your average American church. And um, yeah, yeah, we're kind of hungry for the Lord. And because of that, you see some stuff that's different uh, in that way. But we also see people healed and delivered and and I mean, things that doctors say can't be healed and people set on fire for God. And, you know, if you're going to get into the supernatural, you're going to have to put your flesh down and, and get rid of your comfort in the flesh. And the flesh and the spirit are always warring against each other. And uh, we flow in the Holy Ghost. But, of course, the Holy Ghost brings about supernatural power. And uh, so we see that quite often. And last year we've seen uh, cancer uh, fall off, diabetes, Parkinson has been removed. That's some, that's some awesome stuff, you know, and that's just a few. And we see stuff all the time. Uh, but you're not going to get to those things just doing what the world does and uh, acting like the world acts and thinking like the world thinks. You've got to let God start helping you think about these things and from his word, and uh, he'll bring about his anointing, and the anointing will break the yoke of bondage. Amen? So, glory to God. But I want to invite you, if you haven't gone with us yet on, uh, to lunch in that way, uh, come with us today. Let me buy your lunch. Let's, let's have a good lunch together and answer any questions that you have. And even if you have gone before, you're still invited, and uh, you're not kicked out. Glory to God. <laughs> we pretty much go to lunch almost every, every uh, week. Last week, I think we had 52 people at the restaurant, and uh, we kind of had church after church, I think. And uh, it was awesome. They like us at the restaurant, by the way. When you bring 52 people in, they're like, we like them. They're nice. They, they generally treat us real well, you know. And uh, so anyway, that's, I can remember when we didn't have a fifth of that in the church. So <laughs> we had less than 10 people in the church. yet, And uh, so now we're taking 52 people to lunch. Yeah, so anyway, glory to God. Nice jacket. <laughs> I like come up here. That thing like sparkles. Look at that. Turn around. Woohoo! <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I felt a little bit of James Brown when you did that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, glory. The uh, just seeking the Lord here for a second. One of the things that we're going to do in two weeks, we're going to have a child dedication. So if you've ever wanted to dedicate your child, that'll be in two weeks. Just sign up out there. If you're interested in being baptized, we may do that the same day. We're just seeing. Uh, we're seeking the Lord on that. But if you're interested in being baptized, sign up out there. But in two weeks when we have the child dedication, we're going to have a picnic and uh, right after church. So wear your comfy clothes to church. Wear your picnic in clothes. And uh, it's going to be awesome. So, glory to God. Huh? And bring good food. Amen. Bring a, bring a dish. 
some good, something good. Bring, don't, don't make it bad. Bring something good. So, amen. Turn to Psalm 119 and verse 130. Psalm 119 and verse 130. How many people have already received something today? You feel like the Lord has ministered to you. Amen. That's awesome. Psalm 119 and verse 130. Several weeks ago, the Lord said, I want you to preach and teach on clarity. Uh, because people are not clear. They haven't been having clarity in their walk with me. And uh, I want you to preach on clarity. So we started that process. And, and uh, man, it really is neat to watch that. Did you know that God wants you to have clarity? Right? But how many people, I mean, you'll be honest enough to say, there have been times with the Lord I have not felt clear. Right? Most, most people have found that. I've been that way multiple times. But that's not God's will. God wants you to have clarity. And in Psalm 119 and verse 130, it says, The unfolding of your word, of your words, gives light. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So no matter where you come from, whether you are just a genius mind or not, God can give you light. This is a great thing. And all we have to do is just unfold his word. We'll take his word and we'll get into it and we'll just let the Lord unfold it to us. But make sure that we get in here. Make sure that we, that we get into it and we unfold it. Let me read this. Let me meditate on it. Let me, let me talk these things to us. The unfolding of his word brings light. The unfolding of his word brings light. That means the unfolding of his word brings clarity. Amen? How many people want clarity? We need to get into his word and let the presence of God bring that about. We talked about in order to have clarity on God, the first thing that you've got to know that you know that you know is you've got to know who God is. You know, how many, how many people have ever heard that, you know, a tragedy happened and, the, and you heard somebody say, well, God just needed more in heaven than they needed them here. Anybody ever heard that? God needed another flower in heaven. They needed another butterfly in heaven. Listen, people, when they go to heaven, they ain't flowers and they ain't butterflies. They ain't, and God didn't, God didn't do that. It says that the angels will come at the, at the end of our life. When we, the Lord says in Psalm 91, he wants you to have a full and satisfied life. If somebody went to heaven early, that was not the will of God, right? But see, the issue is the world teaches us about, about things about God that's not so, that's not true, and then, then you, we try to go in and get clarity on something, but we don't really know who he is. We've got to know who he is. So the last few weeks we've been talking about who is God. And I just laid out some scripture. God wants you to have clarity, but that clarity begins with clarity about who he is. For example, how many people have seen, you know, like a preacher standing on the, on the street corner and they're like, you're going to hell. If you don't repent, you're going to hell, you know. And, and a lot of times they're very vocal about that. But that's not the heart of God. That may be true, but that's not God's heart and his message. His message is, I've done something about it, right? 
His message is, I love you, I'm pleased with you, I'm not holding the world's transgressions against you, I've done something about it, and I've made you right, and I've given you this message to take to the world that they also can be made right. That's the message. The message is not God's mad at you. God's holding this against you unless you change the wrath of God. That's not God's message. How many people have ever thought, like you don't have to raise your hand, but let me just ask this question. How many people have ever thought, you know, you've been born again, you, you, you've come to know the Lord, but you thought if I sin, God's going to punish me. If I sin, then I'm in trouble. Like God's going to hold back some stuff, right? You know, let me just show you, let's go to Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah 51 and verse 22. I want you to see something. Now, Isaiah, around Isaiah chapter 40, all of the language of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, changes. Around chapter 40, he starts talking about the church. He starts talking about the church who will receive Christ, the new Israel. He talks about the people that, whose hearts have been changed because by faith they have received Christ. Now, he doesn't use that exact terminology, but you can see like Isaiah 53, 5, 53 is talking about Jesus by his stripes. We were healed, right? He, car he carried uh, all of our problems on his shoulders. You see such a picture of Jesus at the cross in Isaiah 53. The reason is he's talking to future Israel and he's talking to the people, everybody that will be born again through faith. When Isaiah 51 and in Isaiah 54, he's talking to any believer. If you are born again, this is for you. And I want you to see something. Because when I read this years ago, totally changed my thinking, totally changed my doctrine. So he's saying, if you're born again, that's the classification for this verse. Read verse 22. Thus says the Lord, the Lord, even your God, who contends for his people. Now the first thing he's saying is, I fight for you. How many knew that the Lord fight? Sometimes it's felt, felt like, it's not true, but it's felt like God was fighting against me. Like, I've been so bad, he's against me. But he said, no, my people, you're my people, I fight for you. I fight for you. He contends for his people, and he says, behold, I have taken out of your hand the cup of reeling, the chalice or the cup of my anger. Now listen to this. You will never drink it again. You will never drink of his anger again. Never. Never. You'll never drink it again. Now then go to Isaiah 54. In Isaiah 54... And I want you to see this, verse, verse 7, verse 7, 8, and 9, Isaiah 54. One of the things that you see is there's a period of time. Do you understand that there were, in order for, one of the things, one of the things that we don't, haven't understood is this. That why, 
when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, why didn't God just go, oh, y'all got a sin problem? Fixed. Don't you think that would have been simpler? Right? Anybody ever wonder that? Why didn't he just fix it? If he's all powerful, why didn't he just go, oh, you got a problem. Bing. And fixed, right? Why didn't he do that? Why didn't he do that? The issue was he had already given the earth to who? To mankind. The heavens in, in Psalms 115, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. So he had already given the earth to the sons of men. So if God comes in and he just goes, oh, y'all have a sin problem, bing, like this, he just broke his word. If he breaks his word, the fabric of his nature breaks down, the devil takes over, and he'll, he's going to just slaughter everybody. So God couldn't just say, bing, it's fixed. There were some legalities to uphold his word. Now, of course, God knew all of this. He had all of this figured out. He had a perfect plan, and he knew, and this is why he told them, he said, the seed of this woman is going to rise up and crush the head of the enemy. Why? Now, I want you to see this. Because he had given the earth to men, he needed a man to fix it. Because he had given the earth to man, he needed a man to fix it. There were legalities that he had to go through. In order to fix it, he had to set up a legal system of the law. In order to have the law, he had to have, there's a punishment for these things. So in other words, the whole point was to get a legal system that Christ could fulfill... And when Christ fulfilled that legal system, anybody could enter in by faith. They didn't have to go through all the hoops of the law anymore because Jesus did it for them. But there had to be a legal, he had to do it legally. He couldn't break his word. And think about this, the beautiful thing about God is he came up with a way of faith that even if you mess up after you've received him, there's still mercy and grace for you. Praise the Lord. Anybody got born again and then messed up afterwards? Right? Anybody besides me ha had some moments where you're like, that was probably questionable. <laughs> Anybody besides me? Right? And so I'm thinking, praise God, he came up with a system that he could handle my questionable, questionable moments. Because I needed it. I needed those questionable moments handled. I needed it. Praise the Lord. And so one of the things that you see is God had this all figured out. He had it all figured out. And even if I missed it, after I knew him, it was still okay. God had all the legalities worked out. One of those legalities was in order for Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice and substitution, he had to fulfill the law. The law had to be real. The law had to be real. There had to be a punishment for messing up. If, if, it, if there was no punishment for messing up, then what is Jesus fulfilling anyway? Why did he even come? There had to be something that, now watch this, this is the beautiful thing of God's plan. He takes faith and he gives to every person the measure of faith. 
doesn't matter if you're dark skin, light skin, olive skin, doesn't matter who you are, yellow skin, red skin, doesn't matter who you are, every person has the measure of faith. Doesn't matter if you were born with money or not with money. Doesn't matter if you were smart or not smart. It, it doesn't matter. Every person has the measure of faith, so faith became a great equalizer no matter who you are, and he could say, let me give Jesus who will fulfill the law and take the punishment so people can give me their faith and I'll give them what Jesus deserves. What a beautiful plan. And that meant no matter who you are or where you were coming from, I've got what it takes to believe on Christ. Now this is quite a plan. But there were some parts of the plan and some legalities that had to happen. There had to be a legal way of a man attaining what we needed and which one of us was going to be able to do it by ourselves. None of us. God said, I got this figured out. I'll send my son as a man. He'll step off the throne, lay down his deity, which you see in Philippians chapter 2, become in the likeness of sinful man. He will walk through, fulfill all of the legalities so that I never have to have men taste the cup of my anger again. What a great thing. Now look at this, look at this in Isaiah 54 and verse 7. It says, for a brief moment. In other words, there was a moment planned where, where it was going to be tough, but I had to fulfill legalities to set this up for eternity. Even who it was tough on for a brief moment, eternity will be easy. See, many times we are so now-minded, we forget about eternity. We forget, and, and the Bible even says, this little bit of time we have here on the earth, it's a vapor. It's like, poof, poof, poof. See, all this stuff, anybody ever been in a hardship and you're like, oh man, this, this is so hard, this is so hard, this is so hard. And then you look back on it like a couple years later and you're like, that was really a poof moment. Poof. See, if we, if we stop thinking that the poof was so big, we'd be able to get over it quicker. It'd be more poofy if we would stop thinking the poof was so big and bad. <laughs> For a brief moment, he says, I forsook you. But with great compassion, I will gather you. In an outburst of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. See, this this part of the plan. I've got to let the law go into place so that Jesus can fulfill the law so that I can save everybody, not just for a poof moment, but for eternity. So let me fulfill these legalities because, you see, even when Adam and Eve were created in the image and likeness of God, crowned with His glory, walking in the presence of God, you know what they still did? Missed it. God said, let me come up with a way that they can enter into my family and never miss it again. And it'll be by faith, righteousness by faith, not just by their works. And he came up with a plan. He says, in a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you for a moment. But, but, 
Say glory to God. But with everlasting, how lasting? Everlasting loving kindness, I will have compassion on you. That means he will have compassion on us forever. Everlasting, says the Lord your Redeemer. Watch this, verse 9. For this is like the days of Noah to me. Now, what what was the days of Noah? He says, when I swore that the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again. You know, the sign of the bow in the sky, the rainbow in the sky, what's it a sign of? Is it an everlasting covenant from God that he would never, ever let waters destroy the earth again? Is it an everlasting covenant? In other words, he's never going to change it. Never. He's like, I'm not doing that again. I'm not allowing it to happen again. It will never do that. He's saying the way that promise is everlasting, that's the way this is that I'm about to tell you. What I'm telling you is for a moment, because of legalities, I had to let some stuff happen. But I did it so that Jesus could fulfill it. And when you receive Jesus by faith, it activates an everlasting covenant, just like the covenant with Noah that I'll never let it happen again. And he, and he says this, he says, So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you nor will I rebuke you. And the context is forever. Forever. I won't be angry with you. Now, does that contradict? Did I just read you out of the Bible? Does that contradict what you've heard in the the world before? (laughs) Have you heard the world say, God's angry with you. You better watch out. God's going to get you. Oh, you just sinned. I mean, we'll joke about it. And I, I, Lord's, Lord's convicting me right now. Don't joke about this anymore. We'll joke about, oh, you sin. Oh, I'm get away from you. Long lightning to strike. And what are we saying? Somebody in the kingdom of God, they just, they just lied. And now God's like in heaven like, oh, they lied. That's the way we've thought about God. That's unbiblical for a believer. Now these promises are not to an unbeliever, but it is to a believer. I'll never, you'll never drink the cup of my fury again, the King James says. He says, I will never, you will never taste my anger again. I won't even rebuke you in that way. In other words, a rebuke of anger in that way. You'll never have it again. You're not going to taste the wrath of God. If you're born again, you will never taste the wrath of God. Ever? How, how many people your brain's like, uh, that, that's, not what I, that's not what I've heard. That's not what I've been taught. But it's right there in the Bible. I remember when I read that for the first time. We were living down in Anson County, and uh, the Lord said, I want you to go out in the woods and fast and pray. And uh, so I went out in the woods and pitched a tent and was just spending time with the Lord. He said, while you're out here, read the book of Isaiah. And I'm reading through, I'm reading through. I saw about chapter 40, everything turned to new Israel, to where Christ came, where the Messiah came, and Jesus was there, and we could receive him by faith. And I read those two verses in Isaiah 51. Then I read in Isaiah 54 those verses, and I went, oh, my goodness gracious. We have been taught a lie. 
<laughs> we, your, your throne is a throne of lies. You sit on a throne of lies. The devil does. The devil does. He does. And, and he's perpetrating those lies to everybody that'll listen. And you know what the sad thing is? Many preachers have listened to it. They, they heard it preached all their life, but they never gotten the word. And they just continue preaching what they heard somebody else preaching and don't understand God's not angry with you. He's not even angry with the world. He's pleased with them, and he's done something about it. Now, he's not happy with your sin, but he's not angry with you. Because he, why, why is he even not happy with sin? Because your sin hurts you. It puts you in a place, you know, it's not God doing it. It's the corruption in the world and the devil doing it because of sin. And God says, the wages of sin is death. I don't want death for you. I don't want this lack for you. So see, there's these ideas that God is so mean and, and angry and we're like, you know, just walking around trying to stay in his good grace just so he doesn't zap me. I know none of y'all have ever lived like that, but I did once. One time I had to deal with it. No, it was like all the time because the world had taught me that's the way it was. Is anybody seeing that in a new way this morning? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, that's who God is? Now see, we need to, in order to have clarity, don't you know that if I come up to you and, and I tell you and you're looking for help from God, but, but then you think that you messed up yesterday, so now do you think help's going to come? No. You don't think help's going to come because you think God's mad at you. So now, now you don't have clarity on who God is and what he actually wants to do. Go to Hebrews uh, chapter 4 and verse 14. 14 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse, verse 14 through 16. He, he says this. He says, we have a high priest. We have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So let us hold fast our confessions. In other words, we have a Savior. We have a high priest that's handled business in a priestly manner. He's dealt with our sin. The next verse, verse 15. He says, For we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. In other words, you know, if you're in business, do you want to go uh, to, to, you know, the dude down the road who has a shop that looks like it's falling down and, and he's never paid his bills on time all of his life and get business advice from him? No, you want to go to the person, you know, the, the dude that you pull up and, and you go and you're driving through the lake houses and there's like a five-story lake house it's got all the trimmings and all the stuff and there's a pool and there's a big old dock and it's all the nicest is out on the point. Obviously, it took millions to get that house. And that guy's in business. I want to hear what he's got to say. I want to hear what he's got to say. Well, we want to hear what Jesus has to say. He's not a high priest who walked through this world, was tempted with all this stuff and fell for some of it. He's a high priest who walked through and was like, sin, no, no, nope. Nope, nope, and one over sin. And he can help us get over that sin. He understands what you're going through because he walked through it. 
This is who he is. And he knows how to win. He's got the answer. Next verse, verse 16. He said, Hebrews 4, 16. It says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now let me just ask you a question. If you had it all together, if everything was just, you, you were just, you got it all together, you're doing it so well, would you need help? Would you have a time of need? If you had it all together, you wouldn't have any needs because it'd be working. So are we going before the throne of grace to find help in time of need? Are we going before the throne of grace when we got it all together or when we don't have it all together? When we, or the context of this is when you have sin in your life. And we have this idea. How many people have ever faced this before? You don't have to raise your hand, but think about this. How many people have ever faced this before? I got sin in my life. It's like, I don't even want to talk to God. Like, I don't want to talk to him. I feel so ashamed. I feel so dirty. I don't want to go in front. But we have a direct command by the Holy Ghost that when we are in a sinful place and need help, we're in a time of need that we can come before his throne. Now, can you see how that changes our idea of God? I mean, is he a big mean God? Like, don't you come before me. You've got some sin. I'm going to zap you down. How dare you even walk through those doors? Is that who God is? No, God's like, come in. And he doesn't even just say come in. He says come in and come in boldly. Like Kramer on Seinfeld. He just walked in. Waltzes in. You know, he said come boldly. We're not talking about coming arrogant. We're talking about you've got a right to be there. Now, think about this. Does this contradict how we've been taught about God? Well, absolutely, yeah. Amen. If you don't praise them, the babies will cry out. Amen. It changes the way we look at God. It brings clarity. See, if we don't understand the character and nature of God, we won't have clarity, and then we'll be asking the Lord for wisdom. Lord, show me what to do on this. And we'll be thinking he's going to send us here to pay for our sins. We'll be thinking, if I don't do this right, he's going to beat me up. And then we're, we're wondering why we're confused. It's because we don't even know who he is. And that's what we've been talking about for several weeks. So I wrote down some verses. 1 John 1, 5. It says this. In God, in order to have clarity, the first part is you've got to know who God is. 1 John 1, 5. In him there is no darkness at all. At all. No darkness at all. 1 John 4, 16, God is absolute love. Absolute love, that's who he is. He says he's so much love that we'll have confidence and boldness in the day of judgment. There's so much love, it says it will, it will cast out all fear. I'll be, God loves me so much, I'll have no fear when I'm in him. None. Zero. Can you imagine a life with never, ever, 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 ever any worry, anxiety, or fear? That is possible in him. That's how good he is. 
Glory to God. You see, when we're walking through this life and we have fears come up, what it, all it really shows us is that we are not somewhere, some area of our life is not in Christ. Because in Christ there is no fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. In other words, there's something that we're missing, right? And see, can you see how this brings clarity? When I start to understand that, I can understand, oh, this is not godly where this fear lives. This is not a godly place at all. And clarity comes because I know him. I just need to get back in God, walk over to where God is like fear goes. Well, now I have clarity on where I need to be. Clarity. John 10.10. Jesus said, I came that they might have and enjoy life. Have it and enjoy it. Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Have and enjoy life. Anybody ever been going through life and like, you know, paying the price for God? You know, well, this just sucks right now, but, you know, I'm doing it for Jesus. No, you're not doing it for Jesus. You're doing it for something else. Because he says, have and enjoy it. (laughs) Like, it ought to be a joy. And if it's not a joy, there's something wrong about that. See how this knowledge of him brings clarity. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorite. God says this about his people. For I know the plans I have for you. In other words, I got plans. (laughs) Jesus is like, God's like, I got plans. Wouldn't you like to know what his plans for you are? Wouldn't you like to have clarity on it? Well, the first place of starting is knowing him. He's like, I got plans. Can you imagine the plans God actually has for us? Like, well, we can only see so far. But think about this. God can see it all. And when we start to know how good he is, he's like, I got plans for you. And all of a sudden, if we really knew what plans he had, we'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Holy cow. Should I say holy cow? Wow! Wow! So just that statement alone, when you start to know them, it's like, for I have plans. I know the plans I have for you. I'm I'm just, when you start to know them, it's kind of like, I want to know what that is too. That's going to be good. You know it's going to be good. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, that means to fare really well, to be blessed in everything. I know the plans I have for you, for you to be blessed in everything. He said, I know the plans, not for calamity. That means God has zero plans for tragedy in your life. So now in getting clarity, any time tragedy has ever happened in your life, the devil's going to try and tell you that God did it or God allowed it and God had plans for it and it's there to teach you something or some garbage like that. But that's not the clarity of the word. The clarity of the word says that was never in God's plan. Never in his plan. He never had any plans for your calamity. Never. Ever. Ever. To give you a future and a hope. That word hope means a joy, a confidence, and an expectation. So the only plans of God is for you to be in fullness of joy, fullness of confidence, and fullness of expectation. Looking looking for what's about to happen next. Looking for it. This is who God is. This is his plans. Psalms 84, 11. Uh, No good thing 
does he withhold from those who walk uprightly? He's not holding back any good thing. Anybody ever felt like God was holding something back on you? Like, God, if you'll just release this to me. But see, in clarity, that's not who he is at all. He says, you just walk with me and I'll get every good thing to you. Uh, third John, or Psalm 35, 27. It says, the Lord delights in the prosperity of his servant. When he sees you prosperous, God delights in it. That means his face lights up over that issue. He sees you. When he sees you blessed, he just, oh, just so glory. That's my, that's my kids. That's my kids. He just delights in it. This is who he is. He delights in it. 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He wants you to prosper and be in health no matter what you go through, no matter where you came from. He wants you to be healthy in divine health and in divine prosperity. This is the heart of God. Does that already bring clarity to who he is and what he has for you and the plans and destiny he has? So then you can see when the devil starts coming against that, you're like, this is not right. You can see with clarity, this is not the plan of God. This is the plan of something else. Now, in order to build your clarity in God, it starts with knowing him, but there's some things that the word tells us to get clarity. I want to give you these five things now. You could probably have a list that's a lot longer to grow in your clarity and your hearing from the Lord, but these are five major points. Number one, clarity comes from the washing of the water of the word. In other words, you get into the word of God and you renew your mind. The second point that clarity comes from is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. A relationship with the Holy Spirit. The third thing that clarity comes from is a life of thankfulness. A life of thankfulness. The fourth thing is a life of humility. A life of humility. And the fifth thing is ditching bias. Ditching all of our biases. So those five things where clarity comes from, again, is a renewing of our mind to the Word of God, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, a life of thankfulness, a life of humility, and ditching all bias. Now this is very important for us to follow. Now the first thing I want to talk about is the ditching of all bias. If you go into Jeremiah 24-7, Jeremiah 24, 7, it says, I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. For they, isn't it nice to know that God wants to be your God? Right? God wants that. But in order for him to be, be our God, we've got to approach him. And he says, here's how you will approach me, for they will return to me when... With their whole heart. With their whole heart. Not a portion of their heart. Not most of their heart. Their whole heart. Now this brings about something that's very important to us. Because the truth is, most of us have been taught in this society to approach God with just a portion of our heart. I love him. He's got a piece of my heart. But really he didn't. We've never been taught to give him everything. 
And because of that, we can, we can walk in some areas and we think that we're really going after God, but we're really not going after God at all. We still have our heart over here. We still want to do something else. I, I liken it, there's a story that the Lord used to help teach this to me when I was buying a car years and years ago, and there was a red car and a blue car, and I was very conservative in my taste at that time. I wanted the blue car. I didn't want the red car. I felt like it was too flashy. That was my thinking. And so I go through, I do all the paperwork, and in the middle, took about a week to get that all done, and when I got it all done, the, the blue car had sold, and the only one left was the red car. And so I went in, I was like, I don't want to go through this again. I'll just take the red car. Well, it turns out that car was awesome. Like, it, it ran and ran and ran and ran. And a little while into it, like a year or so, I'm driving and I was like, I really like this red car. Like, this is really nice. Like, and I would have never guessed that I would have enjoyed that red color. But I did. I felt sporty. I felt like I was fast in that red car. Same car as the blue car, but I don't know. There was just something about it. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Now, the problem is, if you'd have tried to talk me into that when I was buying the car, I would have never believed you. I would have told you. The issue is, I was biased towards that blue car. I wanted the blue car. I wanted it so much. I had a bias towards it. And I always felt like driving off of that lot, like this is a nice car and I'm happy to have it. But it's still not blue. And this is the way we feel about many things with God. It's like, I, I like this and thank you. Thank you for it. But, but I really wanted something else. And the issue was, was God didn't have my whole heart in that item. My heart was with the blue. And I want you to see this. The thing was, now at this time, I didn't know any of this that I was talking about with bias and all that stuff. He referred me back to this later on. Did God get me a good car? Actually, he got me something that was the desire of my heart that I didn't even know was there. Do you think there's things inside of you right now that God knows about you that you don't even know? Well, he knows everything. He's the one who created you. He put the desires in your heart, the good ones. He put them there. He knows. You know, one, one year I was sitting and, I, and the Lord came to me. He said, what do you like? You know, what do you like? And I said, I don't know. I said, Lord, you know me better than I know me. What do I like? He said, you like watches. I was like, I do like watches. I couldn't even, it couldn't even come to my mind. He was like, you like watches. I was like, I do like watches. He said, it, it's like a piece of art on somebody's wrist. That's why you look at it all the time. You'll look at people's watches and you'll look at it and you'll see, oh, that looks very nice. That, it's like artwork on their wrist. I was like, I do like looking at people's watches. I was like, you're amazing. You're so cool. Of course he knows that. He's the one who put that stuff there. From that moment, literally from that moment, within a few weeks, people started giving me watches. What was happening? There was a desire in my heart I didn't even know that was there, and the Lord was activating that, and he delighted in my prosperity in it. 
He was like, hey, you like this, and I'm about to turn it on, and I'm, I'm about to have people start giving those things to you. And it blessed me so much. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, to think that the Lord cared about me so much so that just he would fulfill this desire of my heart. He knows all of that, and he delights in the prosperity of his servants. He knows all of that. Now, here's the interesting thing is, when, when he's that good and he cares about you that much, if he actually told you to do something, but your flesh didn't like it or didn't want it, don't you know that what he thinks is always going to be better than what we think, like with the red and blue car? I would have never guessed that the blue car would have been the one I wanted. I never would have guessed that. I never would have guessed that. But God knew it. That car ran and ran. It was a good car. Didn't break down. I enjoyed it. I ended up getting to the place where I really... He saw that in my heart. He had a good car picked out the whole time. You know, I don't know what happened to the blue car, but it wouldn't surprise me if the red one was better. It just wouldn't surprise me. Because that's who God is. He, he delights in the prosperity of His servant. He loves blessing His kids. He loves blessing His kids. Here's the key. If you'd have sat there and tried to tell me to get the red car that day, I wouldn't have gotten the red car if I still had a choice. You know why? Because I was biased towards the blue. The decision didn't have my whole heart. That blue definitely had a majority of my heart. And I would have missed the blessing of God because my bias was so strong in that direction. But here's what I want you to see. If God's actually leading you to something, isn't it, isn't it required to be the best? So what that means is, if I ever come up to a decision, and I'm going to be disappointed if God tells me to do one of the items, I've got a bias there. And now I want you to see this in this verse. It says, they will return to me when they return to me with their whole heart. So if God's drawing me to a place, in other words, I'm not going to get in his presence and hear what he wants if I don't give him my whole heart. And my whole heart means whatever you tell me, I'm excited to do. And my flesh might not like it, but I need to work on that and get unbiased. I need to make sure that bias is put down because that bias will bring a lack of clarity, but an unbiasedness will bring clarity in that situation. So many of us have had times where the Lord tells us to do something and we're like, I don't really want to go do this. And what are we doing? We're saying, I have a bias towards that thing. You realize that bias can hold you out of the blessings for doing the thing he asks you to do? Because we're not really returning to him with our whole heart. These biases, they trip us up all the time. Man, they trip us up. And we've got to get to the place where if God says, I want you to do this, then we're like, I'm ready. Because I know if you're asking me, it's leading to the best. You're not withholding any good thing. You delight in my prosperity. You want me to have and enjoy life. If you're saying it, it's going to be the best, regardless of what my flesh thinks about it. See, a bias will, will break clarity, but unbiasedness towards God 
will give us clarity. Many times when people are trying to hear from the Lord, the reason why they can't hear from the Lord is they're biased. And they have a lack of clarity because they only want it to go. They, they go to the Lord and all they're really wanting is for the Lord to tell them to do it the way they're biased towards. Like, Lord, tell me to go do this. And then the Lord's like, you don't hear from him. Well, uh, he's not answering me. That's because you're not actually entering into him because you're not returning with your whole heart. You're not giving him your whole heart. You want it to go a certain way. Well, I can't hear from him. That's an issue. It's not because he's withholding his voice. It's not because he's withholding clarity. It may be because you're not actually entering into the room because it's not with your whole heart. Then he, then he says this, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Then you will seek me, hear this, and find me. How many people want to find the heart of God? We want to find him. You will seek me and find me. How does this verse tell us we're going to do it? When, when, this is conditional. This is something we need to change. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. When you search for me with all your heart. Many Christians and many believers have this problem going on in their life because, you know, they grew up in a church and they have doctrines that they believe in and some people believe in tongues, some people don't believe in tongues and some people believe in this and women preachers versus not women preachers. There's all kinds of these little items all over the place. And the issue is they try to get clarity on doctrine, but the issue is they don't want to give up their pet doctrine. So they're not coming to the Lord saying, Lord, whatever you say in your word, I'll believe. They're saying, let me find what I believe in the word. That's a bias. And then they have trouble getting clarity on it. And the reason is because they're not returning with all their heart. They're not saying, Lord, whatever you say in your word, I'll believe and I'll stand on. They're saying, I only want to find what I believe in the word. I'll, I only want to find that. And so because of that, they're biased, and then they have trouble getting clarity on it. Being biased will break clarity in a split second. We want to be willing to give God all of our heart. The other thing is a life of humility. If we want clarity, we have to have a life of humility. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. James 1, 5 through 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. You know, we have to be humble to say, I don't know everything I think I know. And if we're not willing to say, I don't know everything, but God, you do, then we're not even going to ask him for wisdom. And that means we're not going to have the clarity that's available to us. Lord, I need your wisdom. I humble myself to your wisdom. I need you to talk to me, even if I've been doing ministry for 40 years, flowing in the Holy Ghost, I still need your wisdom. That matter of fact, if you're actually doing it right, it actually feels like the further you go with the Lord, the less you know. It's like, I realize the further I go, you are so big, I realize that what I thought I knew and I do know is such a small drop in the bucket. 
Because the more you know about God, the bigger he gets, and the more the, the smaller what I know gets in that bucket. What I know becomes a smaller and smaller percentage of that, and the more I recognize, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom. And it, but if we're not humble in that way, we'll never ask. And if you don't ask, you won't get it. He says, let them ask for wisdom. See, people that think that they've arrived in church kind of like spiritual teenagers, you know, their worldview's the biggest it's ever been before. And so all of a sudden they think, oh, I've arrived. I know how this should do. I know what this should do. I know what this looks like. And they stop asking God for wisdom. And all of a sudden you'll find that anybody that does that, and I've done it multiple times, you'll find that clarity starts to go away. If you want to stay clear, you must live a life of humility. He says, I'll give you that wisdom. And I'll give it to you without rebuking you. I'm not going to rebuke you over that. I want to give you that wisdom. Other thing is, in order to have clarity, we need a life of thankfulness. A life of thankfulness. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Now watch this. This proves the humility point as well. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, God, just make yourself known to me. I just want to see you, but you're having trouble seeing God. Have you ever been trying to witness somebody and they're like, if God would just make himself plain and make himself clear. Well, what does this verse say? Is, is it hard to find God? No, this verse says very clearly that the things of God are clearly seen. Well, that means if I'm not clearly seeing God, there's some bias or some lack of humility that doesn't want to see Him because He's clearly seen. He's clearly seen. So one of the things that we start to see is that we have a lack of clarity if we're biased or if we have a lack of humility, we don't, we don't really, I want to see God the way I think God is. Well, you're already messed up. You're biased and you're not humble. You already have a pride that he's only going to be this way. And that's going to cloud your vision. Well, you know, every man, you know, what they know, they, every person has their own truth. That's a lie. Every man's truth is their own truth. That, that's a lie. Complete lie. No, there is only, it doesn't even make sense because truth basically is a moral line. You mean the moral line shifts? That doesn't even make sense. Like the logic of that in, in, you know, implodes upon itself very quickly. No, not what I think is truth to me. That's, that's what you're hearing. You realize that's actually a twisted uh, version of the church of Satan? That's actually its mantra and, and, and its slogan is actually that's what it says. Whatever I want to be true is true. And, and this is a problem that many people have is because they think, well, when I read that verse, it just looks like this. Well, it doesn't matter what it says. The word is for no private interpretation. In other words, the scripture ought to fulfill itself. It ought to reveal itself. The full context of scripture will give us truth. And that truth, that truth will set us free. Everything else outside of that's not true. 
And so many times, like, we're looking to defend, and again, this goes back to bias and humility or not, that we're looking to defend what we think. And we've got to come to the Lord and say, Lord, you show me what to think. And when we do that with our whole heart, we will find God and have clarity. And not only that, we'll get the truth that we need that will set us free. Here, here's one of the things he says, verse 21, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. And I want you to pay attention to this. They didn't honor him as God, and they didn't give him thanks. They didn't give him thanks. And look at the result when they stopped giving thanks and honoring him. They became futile in their speculations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Does that define clarity or a lack of clarity? Thankfulness, a life of thankfulness is directly connected to you hearing from the Lord and being clear. A life of thankfulness. I can tell you with all clarity, (laughs) I can tell you, when I started walking with the Lord better than I had before, the first thing that started coming out of me was, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I remember the moment that really changed in me. And I'm telling you, I moved into a place of clarity I'd never been in before. I almost, I actually went to the Lord and said, Lord, all I feel like I'm doing when I pray to you is thanking you. And I said, is this a problem? Because I feel like all I'm doing is thanking you. He was like, no, that's not a problem at all. That's me leading you to that place. And and what I see now is he was leading me to clarity. Many times if we don't recognize what we're thankful for, then we start to think that we're the ones who got it for ourselves. But don't we know in James chapter 1, it says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation, no shadow of turning or shadow of turning. There's no variableness or shadow of turning with him. In other words, everything good that's really good in your life, it came from him and it's worthy of honoring him and worthy of giving him thanks for. I don't know about you, but when we hit days like we've had recently, I get really, really thankful for the dude that invented A.C., and I, I thank God for it. Like, like, I'm not just like leaving it on the, I, I know it sounds funny, but I, I, I like AC. And I thank God for that dude that got the wisdom to create a compressor that cools down a room like this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for AC. Right? I thank God for the first person that ever put padding on seats. Thank you, Lord, for creating a padded seat. It really feels nice. You know, every time I stand in front of y'all on Sunday morning, I thank God, thank you, Lord, that you created clothes. (laughs) Thank you, Father, because I need to repent and to cover my eyes. Thank you, Lord, and you would too. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for all of the good things. You know, y'all didn't, y'all didn't horse and buggy it out here this morning. Thank you, Lord. We got compression engines. Thank you, Lord, for fuel at the gas station. Well, it's over $4. At least you got some. You got some. 
There was a comedian one time, I don't know who it was, and I probably shouldn't recommend him if I didn't know who it was, but he was saying, I'm flying on a plane, and there's this grumpy guy on the plane. I just got to fly over here. You know, garbage. And the comedian goes, dude, you are flying through the air five miles above the ground at 500 miles an hour so that you can get to your destination that would have took you 10 hours. You get there in an hour or two. This is a miracle. Be thankful. In other words, the guy had completely forgot all of the blessings that were in play for him to be able to do business and make a living. And instead of being thankful, he was being complaining. And what the Word teaches us is when we get to the place where we stop giving thanks and we stop looking for things to give thanks, clarity goes away. You become darkened. You want to get clear? Become one of the most thankful people on the earth, on the planet. Lord, thank you. I've watched it as a pastor now for years. I watch it when people start getting unclear and they start getting to the place where I don't know what to do. You look at it, they aren't thankful for anything. They're overlooking all this stuff all the time that God's given them, that that they have, and they instantly move to a place of darkness. Even a believer, because it's a spiritual law. If you can't get thankful, you're going to lose clarity. You're going to lose it. And people need to be thankful. How many people, like, I don't see anybody in here starving. Nobody. Nobody in here starving. When's the last time you thanked him for that food like that? Lord, I'm not starving. I'm not starving at all. Matter of fact, I could fast and go for a while. Thank you, Lord. I have supply. Thank you, Lord. I'm not having to go on a forced fast. Thank you, Father. Nobody in here is starving. Everybody in here is well fed. Somebody said some more than others. Everybody in here is well fed. Do we have something to be thankful over? Man, we do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for what you're pouring out in us. Thank you, Lord, we got clothes. Thank you for jewelry. Thank you for pens to take notes on. Thank you for a phone that tells you where to go and won't shut up. Thank you, Lord, for GPS. We were going down the road the other day, and I'm like, we're traveling out to Texarkana. It's like a 16-hour trip, and you're heading that way. And I'm like, do you realize what we used to have to do to take a trip of this magnitude? I mean, before we had the phones, we had the GPS, and you always had to go and upload the new Garmin map. But before you had those, you had MapQuest. And then you, and I don't know about you, but I hated MapQuest. It's like, point, I got to print out 14 pages of what to do to go to next, and I got to be looking for that sign. And before you had MapQuest, you had a Rand McNally atlas, and you had to flip and have all these pages marked, and it's like, you had to, where, where are we? Oh, we're looking for this. It's going to be somewhere up here. How far? I have no idea. Like, it's that far on the map. Yeah. And so we're just traveling down the road, and, and, and we're talking and having a good time, and the phone's like, in one mile, take the exit. I'm like, this is so nice. 
Thank you, Lord, for technology. Thank you, Father. See, that's something to give thanks for. All of the wisdom that's ever on the earth, it came from one source, God. The one who designed it. I mean, just think about it. The lights, the cameras, action, all of this stuff that happens in here, it's all from the Lord. Smile. Amen. All of this stuff is from the Lord, and we need to get thankful. We need to get thankful. And as soon as you find somebody that's not getting thankful, darkness comes. Their clarity shuts down. But when somebody gets thankful, they start seeing things in a different way. They start seeing things in a different way. They start getting thankful. That one change can change everything. If you want clarity, you have to live a life of thankfulness. If you want clarity, you have to have a relationship with the Holy Ghost. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Who will do that? The teacher, the helper. You know what's not a teacher? Sickness. Sickness is not a teacher. Well, God's just put this on me to teach me something. See, that's a lack of clarity because you don't know God. No, you're telling me that sickness is the Holy Spirit? Nope, incorrect. Sickness is not my teacher. The Holy Spirit's my teacher. So you'll hear people say, well, he just put this on me and I'm learning something during this period of time. No, no, no. No, God didn't replace the Holy Ghost with sickness as your teacher. Sickness is not anointed to teach you something. The Holy Spirit might teach you something in the middle of you being sick, but it's not, you don't need to stay sick to learn it. See, we, how many people have heard that doctrine preached before? I've heard people say it. It's incorrect. It's anti-word. But the Holy Spirit will bring clarity because he'll teach you. John 16, two chapters later, 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Romans 8.26 In the same way, the Holy Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit, a fellowship and an interaction with the Holy Ghost, will teach us clarity. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command from God in Ephesians 5.18. Be being filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because God wants His people to have clarity. The last thing is the washing of the water of the Word. Our key verse that we've looked at the whole time. The unfolding of your Word gives light. If you want clarity, you got to get in the Word. You know why so many of these wrong doctrines are in the world and even in pulpits? is because you've got even ministers whose life is in the Word who hasn't unbiasedly looked at the Word and hasn't studied the Word to know it. And Jesus said about them, He said, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. And that thing is alive today as well. And we've got to know the Word. The unfolding of His Word gives light. Psalms 119.105 Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word 
the lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You want clarity? Get in the Word. Study the Word. Meditate on the Word. Get under the preaching of the Word, the teaching of the Word. I'll tell you this, if you have not watched Lunch Plus on the What's Right broadcast in the last two weeks, we've been on a series that we finished up on Friday on righteousness. And I'm telling you, it has unlocked so much stuff. Marky had a testimony of it. She said, everything I've been learning over the last three years, this series tied it all together and pulled it into a clarity for me is what she was saying. Literally, we've been sitting after the broadcast talking for hours on this because it's so big and so important. It's the revelation of righteousness and how it ties and plays into everything. It's the unfolding of the word, and I'm telling you, it's given light. If you haven't watched it, go watch that whole series. We sent the link out uh, the other day on the Boomerang Voxer line. Make sure that you take a look at it. He says this, that in Romans, well, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Wouldn't you like to know what the next step is and know that you know that it was God? His word will do that. The Bible says his word is sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide asunder soul and spirit. What that means is what the Holy Spirit's saying to me and what my heart at the core of who I, I am, my feelings, my flesh, everything, it's able to divide that asunder. Many times people don't have clarity because they have a voice from the Holy Spirit and a voice from their flesh, and in their heart it's so tangled together. But when you get into the Word, that Word is so sharp, it's able to untangle that and show you this is God and this isn't. And where does that happen? In the Word. It says this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I want you to see this as we wrap up. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. What does that mean? It means stop letting your body tell you what to do and you tell your body what to do. Stop letting your thoughts and feelings tell you what to do. You tell your thoughts and feelings what to do. Tell your flesh, shut up. It's a good practice. Shut up, flesh. I love it. We'll be on the broadcast. Somebody will type in. Today, it was this morning, I told my flesh, shut up, flesh. Like, we need to do that more often because your flesh and the spirit, they always war against each other. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, I feel this way. Who cares what you feel? Who cares what your flesh feels like? Live by the word. Live by the word. Live, we're not to be moved by feelings. Romans chapter 8 says the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. You're not led by feelings. You're not led by emotions. You're not led by circumstances. No, if you look at the heroes in the Bible, they had feelings and circumstances, and they went right in the face of feelings and circumstances and did miraculous things because they were led by the Spirit of God. You don't do the miraculous being led by your feelings and circumstances. You do the miraculous being led by the Spirit being led by the Spirit. And we got to get clarity and get in relationship with Him so you can do the supernatural. You think the supernatural is only supposed to come through me? <laughs> no. 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 The super, he says those that believe 
will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll cast out dev devils. And if they, somebody tries to hurt them, and that, that stuff won't even come near them. Those that believe. Do I have any believers in here? Glory to God. This is what you're supposed to do. He says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This means, in the, in the King James it says, reasonable service. If Jesus ended his life short for me, then I should live my life full for him. Full for him. That means that my life should be his. Lord, you show me what to do, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. You start thinking like that, and clarity will come. And it'll, Now, I'm not going to tell you that it'll follow earthly logic. The clarity of God sometimes will tell you to go against earthly logic. For example, as a church, earthly logic would tell you, if I get up here and preach a 30-minute message, this place will fill up quicker. But that's not what biblical logic says. Biblical logic says you raise up people to be strong in the spirit, following the spirit, not following their flesh. If I preached for 30 minutes, I'd be basically catering to the flesh of people every single week. And what am I now teaching you to do? Listen to the flesh every time it talks. This is not, that's earthly logic. Now you can build a church and build a lot of numbers, but you won't build warriors for Christ. Numbers in a church doesn't make it successful. Biblical obedience makes it successful. And so that's why I was saying at the beginning, you're not in an average church because we don't do things like that. No, we're here for the Lord. We're here for Him. And so you've you got to make yourself a living sacrifice. And not everybody wants to do that. I get that. I understand that. We're for the people that are ready to move on and tired of average. I'm tired of average. I'm tired of, of, of the par. I'm tired of subpar. I'm ready to go forward, and I'm ready to see some results. I've read about God. He's big. He's strong. He loves me. He wants me to have clarity, and I want to see it. That's who we're called to. People that are tired of living in the slums of spiritual stuff. I don't want to live there anymore. I want to live in His glory. I want, and here's the bigger part of it, I want people to see that, that it's a reality. Most of the, most of the people in, in here I've heard over time, it's like I've never seen people living in His glory before. They have nobody that has actually modeled how to live in the Spirit and have the power and anointing to heal like that. The world is looking for the supernatural because they're made supernaturally and they're designed to walk in that. They're looking for it in vampire movies and superhero movies and now witchcraft and all kinds of other stuff because they're designed to live supernaturally. The church has the answer, but there's no people that are willing to put their flesh down to grab a hold of it. Nobody modeling it. I just determined long ago I'll be somebody that models it. And hungry people will follow. And non-hungry people won't. People that are done with it will follow and go after it. I'm just looking for those people. Who wants to go after God and stop making excuses and they want the power of God operating in their life? 
And listen, you may have gone through some situations and some times and you may have tried to go after God and you missed it. And it didn't work like you thought it was going to work. Well, that doesn't make the word not true. It just means that you and I, we, we got some failure built inside of this flesh and let's just keep going until we figure it out. Like you might have missed it before. I've missed it. Goodness knows how many times have I missed it. You know how many people I prayed for that didn't get healed, but now they're getting healed on a more regular basis. I had to recognize it wasn't God's failure. There's something in me I'm missing. But Lord, I'm not going to give up until we grab a hold of it because I see who you are and I want who you are in my life and I want who you are in the lives of the people and I'm not going to let go of it. Lord, I give myself as a living sacrifice. This is my reasonable service to you. If you gave your life for me, I'm going to give you mine. And I might fail along the way, but I'm not stopping. I'm not giving up. I need you in my life. I need your clarity. I need your power. Lord, I need your love made manifest. I need you. Not everybody's ready for that. I get that. I understand it. But if you're not ready, let's just get ready as quickly as we can. All it is is a heart decision. And and if you're not ready, the question that you should ask yourself is, Lord, why am I not ready for that? Like, I know I should be ready. Why am I not yet? Let the Lord help you bring clarity. Get unbiased towards that old thinking, towards God. Get unbiased towards Him. Let go of that old thinking. Let the Lord shine some new light. I urge you, I beg you, brethren, by the mercy of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, and don't be conformed to this world. In other words, don't let the world mold you into a form of its own thinking. Let me just say this to you right now. The world is really good at forming our thinking. The devil's been doing it for 6,000 years and he is good at it. He is good at it. And we've all fallen prey to it at some point. But it says, don't let that happen, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? By the washing of the water of the word. The washing of the water of the word. We start getting into the word, and it starts bringing about, oh, that was the wrong thinking. That wasn't clear thinking on me, and it scrubs that out of our life. It starts separating. This is you, this is me. This is the world, this is me. It starts bringing that clarity as we dive into that word. We start to see those things. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. When you give yourself as a living sacrifice and you start transforming your mind to the word, Your life will start to prove, oh, that's who God is? Oh, I can accept that. That looks good. That looks perfect. I need that. When when you start going into the Word and you start realizing God delights in the prosperity of His servant, and you say, God wants me to prosper, and you open up faith, to prosper, all of a sudden you open up faith to prosper, what's going to happen? You're going to start prospering. 
And then people watch you. How did you pay those bills? Why do you have what you have? You're going to start prospering in these things. And they're going to be like, I want that. Well, just go after God. Come with me to church. Like, they're crazy, but we have fun. And God does stuff. Come on. God's worth it. You know, and they start seeing, like, you know, you guys, your household's never sick. Well, yeah, we walk in divine health. God, beloved above all things, God wants us to prosper and be in health. We have divine health. How do you do that? My kids are sick all the time. How come your kids aren't sick all the time? Jesus. Well, I want that. That's good. I can accept that. I need to accept some divine health in our lives too. Well, come to church. They crazy. But sickness falls off of people. They're crazy for Jesus. They go after them. Set your thinking aside and let's go after the Lord. Let's let the Lord establish our thinking. You pray for somebody. You go into Walmart and there's somebody and they just look beat down and the Holy Ghost goes, go pray for that person. And you go and pray for that person. You lay your hands, and not a pastor, just a believer. You lay your hands on, and in the middle of Walmart, power of God, the anointing that flows through God, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, and through you. And it hits that person. And the power and the anointing of God, you can go ahead, the power and anointing of God comes on that person. And in Walmart, not at Boomerang, not at the altar, Walmart, they go... And, and knock out by the anointing of God. Well, what else do you expect when an all-powerful God touches a mortal body like this? And, and all of a sudden, they fall out in Walmart. And they're like, what was that? Uh, Jesus, he's powerful. He sees you. He loves you. He wants to touch you with his power. Well, I can how I want more of that. Come to church. They're crazy. But we see the power of God. They're crazy for Jesus. They're, they're unbiased towards the word of God. And I was driving down. All of a sudden you're at work one day and you're like, I was driving down the road. There's a testimony we had happen. I'm driving down the road. All of a sudden this tire is coming at our window. Straight at our window. And we're riding, it's 70 miles an hour going down the highway. Tire brakes all boom, boom, coming right at the window. And one foot before the windshield, this like a hand took that tire, lifted it up a foot above the car and went through. Would have killed my whole family. Supernatural protection of God. That happened. The same week that I stood up on the platform and said, Lord, supernatural protection in Jesus' name this week. And then that happened that week. Supernatural. Tire, listen, tires don't just jump up above cars. They're heavy. Supernatural. You mean God protected you? Go ahead. Play. He's, God protected you supernaturally? Yeah, I want that too. Well, come to church. We see it all the time. It happened again just a couple of weeks ago. They're crazy, but God protects His people. And you start to see Listen, Lord, let me give you me. Walk in clarity of who you are and what you want. God has good plans for you. Close your eyes right now. God has good plans for you. He wants to change your life forever. He wants your life to look like His will. He wants to take you to places 
you couldn't go without him. He wants it to be supernatural. And it's time for it. I know many of you, you've been sitting there. And the Lord's been drawing you and calling you. And you know, even the things I'm talking about this morning, you're like, that, I knew that stuff was real. And I've been wanting that. I've not been seeing it, but I want it. All you got to do is get hungry for the things of God. Lord, I want to go after you. I just sense it so strongly this morning. Remember I said a life of humility? This morning is the day. Lord, I humble myself to you, which means I want to do it your way. My way is not going to work like your way, which means I may have some things to change, some thoughts to change, some habits to change, but I humble myself to you this morning. If that's you this morning, you're saying, Lord, I want to humble myself to you. Today is a marker in my life. I never want to be the same. I want to go after you, and I want to see the powerful things of God. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real quick, just right where you sit. Lord, I want to humble myself to you this morning. Glory to God, I see that. Thank you, Father. Now, I want to pray for you. As you raised your hand, and even if you didn't raise your hand, but in your heart, you were like, you know, I should have raised my hand. I, I really do want that. I want you to come forward and I want to pray for you. When I pray for you, I'm going to ask God that the, His anointing will shoot through your life and will help transform you in such a way that your life will never be the same. So I invite you to come forward right now so I can pray for you. Lord, we thank you. If you raise your hand, come on up. Thank you, Father. Lord, I humble myself to you today. I humble myself to you today. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Lord. Today is a marker. It's, Lord, I need your clarity. I need your power. I need your anointing. And I thank you. And I want everybody in here to pray this prayer. A humility towards God is a humility to doing things His way. And let's just pray this prayer of humility towards Him. Just say this with me. Say it out loud. Jesus, You are the Lord of my life. You're the director. Everything You tell me to do I will do. From this day forward, you're the director. And I believe that God brought you back to life. Everything of my mess that could have held you down, He broke the power of when He raised you up from the grave. That means everything in my life that could hold me back, today is broken. It will not hold me back any longer. I yield my life to you. I humble myself. Lord, help me be transformed by the renewing of our mind in Jesus' name. Jesus, I ask you 
baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire so I can live for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. So prana, anointing of God. Feel and overflow every person here in the name of Jesus. Everyone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So glad y'all came today. Nice to meet you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Amen. Are y'all married? Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> Lord, let that power of God, here y'all just hold, let that power of God, Lord, course through their life now in Jesus' name. Lord, let the lives change. Let everything that's tried to hold them back be removed now by your power and your anointing. And as they yield to you, in humility, Lord, let your anointing flood their being today in Jesus' name. Every bondage, every addiction of the past be broken off in the name of Jesus. Everyone be broken off in the name of Jesus. Just say, Lord, we yield ourselves to you. We're yours, and we receive your help in Jesus' name. We know you're helping us. You're moving us forward in your blessing. You have plans for us to fare well and not for calamity. And we receive that today. In Jesus' name. Now just receive it. And even as I walk away, understand He's still pouring out into you so you don't have to walk away right away. Keep receiving. Keep receiving. Stay here as long as you need to. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. New favor, new ways, new ways. New ways, new ways of thinking, new actions, now in Jesus' name. <laughs> Glory to God. New joy. I just declare new joy. New joy, new joy, new joy. Ani, Miss Sherry's going to say, Pastor, what did you do to mom? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> New joy. Well, Pastor, what did you do when you prayed? Just release some joy. Hallelujah. Yeah, a new day and a new marker. Body yesterday. Thank you, Father. Supernatural help. Supernatural help in Jesus' name. Anointing be. Anointing flow in her life and in her family's life. Thank you, Father, for your anointing. 
Yeah, glory to God. Just lift your hands. Say, Lord, I got it. I got it now. You're helping me right now. You're changing things right now. Yes, he is. In Jesus' name. Right now. Yeah, amen. I got it. I got it. Glory. I have it. Hey, you got it. Thank you, Father. There's help right now. It's entering your life, entering your body. Oh, you feel that even going, shooting through your body? You feel that? His peace, His mercy. Now, I can't do that by myself, but God can because He sees you, He loves you. Glory to God. Today, new favor, new mercy, new grace in Jesus' name. Put your hand right here. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you receive it. You're going to walk away from here with something you didn't have before. You're going to walk away with a new, a new peace, a new mercy, a new joy. Are you? You sure? Just check. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Ha ha, Kandinese. He's still working on everything. <laughs> He's still handling business. <laughs> He's still handling business. Everything in Jesus' name. An overflow. An overflow. An overflow in Jesus' name. Now just let go of their hands for a second. Take your hands and lift them as high as you can. <laughs> yeah. See there. Now every bit of pain be removed now in the name of Jesus. That that anointing. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. You felt that? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Here you go. I'm going to pray for you again. <laughs> you stayed just long enough. Glory to God. Yeah, Holy Ghost. Fill them with the Holy Ghost as they prayed in the name of Jesus. See, you need the empowering of the Holy Ghost to empower you to walk and live like He wants you to live. Just say this to me. Say, Jesus, fill us with the Holy Ghost so that we can walk Full of you. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Joy of the Holy Ghost. Joy overflowing. In Jesus' name. Now just receive that right now. Lord, I say this. Say, Lord, I receive right now in the name of Jesus. Put your hands on your belly. Joy of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> That's okay. See, it, you know, it's like no grown adult is just going to start laughing out in public unless they got the Holy Ghost on them. The Holy Ghost will do something like that. See? Now what? Holly? Help her get over here. Oh, now you're in trouble now because we're going to bring Jolly Holly. There's an impartation. 
See, she's over there. She started getting it. Oh, I said to Bethany, sobre como so. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. You just yield to that joy and watch. Now you're close enough, might get on you. You could use some, couldn't you? <laughs> well, just take it. <laughs> Glory to God. You're going to be like, man, I ain't seen her laugh so much. I ain't seen her laugh so much in a long time, if ever. <laughs> you too. You too. In Jesus' name, anoint her. Today is her day. Anoint her in Jesus' name. Never to be the same. See, now I can't make that happen. That's the Holy Spirit. See, I told you if I brought her over here. Trouble for the devil. Trouble for the devil. Put your hand back on your belt. <laughs> he's working it out. Oh, he's working it out. He's working it out. Oh, big thinkers, big doers. Big thinkers, big doers. Who by the candidate in Jesus' name. Lord, fill them up with your favor and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Glory. Glory to God. Who breaking the mist? Oprah, new humility, new levels. Sabangodin, Oprah, Hother Economy, Tola Staho, Baramoso, Hobbin Kanamos. I see things coming to an end. I see things coming to an end. Now, now's the time to stand strong in mercy and gentleness and grace. Everything that's tried to come against be broken. In Jesus' name. In the name. In the name. Ha ha. Oh, baby, so hot and echo. About a carnival saver. Vanamos, Vanakalil. Woo, glory. 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 You're still here. You're trying to go. Trying to stop. Don't try to stop. Just take it with you. Matthew needs a good dose. Just let it get off on him. Amen. Now, just receive it as now. See, many times you stepped up and you're like, well, I'm hoping and, and I think something changed. No, receive it as done in Jesus' name. Receive it as done, done, done in the name of Jesus. Yeah, see there? Ha ha done. They're coming against that stronghold. Done in Jesus' name. Pick her up. Now, when I spoke like that, did you feel the power hit you? in that way and it wasn't just volume that was the anointing of God hit you didn't it and I see a lot of people don't understand that and they don't know it now just keep receiving thank you Father thank you Father thank you Father 
You got to weave through the minefield of bodies. Glory to God. It's time for an impartation of great grace in Jesus' name. Great favor and great grace and an overflow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Justin, come here. Raise your hand. Meditate on the clarity that I talked about. Get these notes. I'll hand you my notes as we leave. But meditate on that. God wants you clear. He doesn't want it in and out and in and out and in and out. And so many people can relate to that. Take these notes and meditate on them. Meditate on them day and night until you feel like you got a breakthrough. And then after a while, go back to them again and hear it. Also, make sure that you listen in full multiple times to that series on righteousness that we've just finished with, okay? In Jesus' name. The devil seeks uh, to hold and put people in such bondage in their mind that they have a hard time receiving, not just you, but every person that he can touch with it. And these are the ways to break it. The washing of the water of the word will set apart and separate those things so that you'll see them. Anointing of God, come on him now to see and to know and to have those things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 You too, raise your hands. I call these things as done and over in the name. Put your hand on your belly. Go ahead, Jesus. Wobbly. <laughs> Wobbly. Thank you, Lord. Freedom, fire of God, joy, peace, and grace in the Holy Ghost. Stand up. There's things you need to lay down here. Old ways, old thoughts, old lack of clarity that to be gone forever so God can lift you up to new places and new heights. Now just do it, set it in your mind right now. A life of thankfulness. Humility. Thank you, Father. Getting rid of all bias. Life filled with the Holy Ghost. And a life of the word. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody receive clarity today? You receive clarity. Just close your eyes and say, Lord, I receive your clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for what you've done today. 
Oh, thank you, Father. Just begin to thank him. Let's not leave here. Thank you, Father. Let it just come out of you. Thank you, Lord. Did you receive today? Did your friends receive today? Did your life change today? Thanks be to God. Thank you, Father, for changing things in this body, for revealing things, for not allowing us to stay little, but for empowering us and positioning us to be the holy, mighty men of God you've called us to be. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father. We receive it, we have it, and we leave here with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm up here to give y'all some announcements. First of all, thank you for being here today. Was today wonderful? Did you receive? Amen. God's so good. He doesn't skip a person. He knows exactly what everyone needs and ensures that it's available for us. He's so good. Well, youth is tonight. So if you are in grades 6 through 12, if you have a youth who's in 6 through 12, bring them tonight at 4 p.m. Our youth leader here is Buddy. He is anointed by God to preach the fire of God to these kids. And they are changing their schools, their surroundings. It's phenomenal. So get them here. It's going to be great. And then... In just a couple weeks, July 24th, we are having a child dedication. I know we've said baby. It's not just for babies. We are dedicating your children to the Lord. So if you have a child, they've never been dedicated, we want to make it available to you. It's a moment to say, this child, Lord, is yours. And I want to celebrate it. And I want to mark it. So that's July 24th. We have a sign-up sheet out on the kiosk. Even if this is your first time here and you're like, I need my kid to be separated to God, Amen. It's for you. You don't have to have been here for a long time. We just want to dedicate your babies if, and your children if that's what you'd like to do. And then immediately following, we are having a cookout here at the church. We're going to provide like the hot dogs, but we want all y'all bring your favorite meat, your favorite dish, your favorite side, your favorite dessert. And look, I know all y'all can cook. Maybe not like all, all y'all, like I can't super cook at this moment, but I know me that Amy can make some amazing pound cake. I know that Buddy makes a pretty amazing pumpkin pie. So whatever y'all can cook, tell you what, Justin can cook a Boston butt like nobody's business, but <laughs> y'all can cook, bring the food. It's going to be great. And make sure you're wearing your comfy clothes when you do so. And if you're interested in being baptized, that's also out on the kiosk. So sign up for that too. And then if you would like more preaching and teaching like this, you can be here every single weekday with us virtually with our online broadcast that we have. You can get more information by going to whatsright.com, and that'll hook you up with the link. You can also search on YouTube for the Brian Wright uh, YouTube channel, and that'll get you to us every weekday at 1130. It's powerful and anointed. And do you have lunch? Is that why you're looking at me, handsome man in the back? my husband. Nope. He's just looking at me. That's cool. But if you would like to come to lunch, we'd love to have you. If you're a guest and pastor's never bought your lunch before, come with us. We want to hang out and get to know you. And as you're leaving, make sure that you grab your trash, help our cleaning team out just by taking care of the sanctuary. We love you. Be blessed. And we'll see you next Sunday.